Welcome back to the California Work Comp Report. Today we embark on a new series wherein we discuss impairment rating literacy, a concept regarding the importance of knowing how to read, write, and understand impairment ratings. Any stakeholder with the knowledge of impairment rating literacy is the one with the power. Without further ado, here's Dr. John Alchemy. Hi, I'm Dr. John Alchemy with RateFast. This lecture series is going to be a four-part series on impairment literacy. So we're going to break the concepts of impairment rating and impairment report reading down into a couple of concepts that we can uh, talk about and learn more about impairment ratings as we go through them. The first thing I wanted to talk about on impairment rating literacy is taking inventory of an impairment report. Most of you who are familiar with impairment rating have probably never even heard this concept or have any idea of what it means. But the fundamental purposes of conducting these impairment reports and why it's essential for both individuals and organizations to regularly take inventory of impairment reports becomes kind of basic when you think about it. Because like anything else you do over and over again, you want it standardized. And once you can standardize it, you can better control the quality and the understanding of the reports that are coming before you. So I think as we go forward in time and we get more technology involved in impairment rating, I think we're going to find out that impairment ratings are going to slowly get broken down systematically into their components. Now we all are being affected by um, uh, artificial intelligence and this is just another step that eventually is going to happen in impairment reports. So here at RateFast what we try to do is we try to build these reports standardized from the beginning. So once stakeholders get tools or become sophisticated enough to look at the tools they're going to have a new appreciation for the level of quality detail and consistency in reports. So that's what we're really trying to do. Um, in order to take inventory of an impairment report, the reviewer really has to know what the essential components are. Earlier in the podcast series, we had a couple of topics that were dedicated to something called integrity. And integrity is kind of at the core of literacy for impairment reports, because if you don't know what really belongs in an impairment report, how are you going to be able to judge the quality of the report, um, the content of the report, and ultimately the findings uh, that are being provided to you, be that in whole person impairment, apportionment, future care, etc. So that's really the basis for why impairment report um, literacy really needs to, to come to the forefront. Now, my opinion is right now where we are in present day is that most people are sort of handed a book, maybe they take a short course, maybe they go through a little bit of training about impairment reports, but really what this leaves us is on a very broad spectrum of understanding for people who are trying to make determinations and place the findings of the impairment report into settlement. And that's a real problem when you think about it. If you put the same impairment report in front of 10 evaluators, be they doctors, judges, physicians, etc., and everyone has a different level and approach to looking at an impairment report, you're going to get 10 different opinions on the quality, the context, and ultimately the accuracy of the report. And this has been a problem that's been plaguing impairment rating ever since um, impairment rating was created. So it's really important that we think about a systematic approach if we are going to become literate at looking at impairment reports. Um, next, 
I wanted to walk through some of the key components and considerations in taking the inventory of a report. Some of the challenges people face. First of all, in some of the other videos, we've talked about the subject of history. What does a history really involve? Uh, pain scoring, activities of daily living, what the patient's saying, and most importantly, how that doctor or medical evaluator is filtering what's being said. Because obviously the patient is not there to correct any errors or the translation of the doctor. So if a doctor, for instance, hears the patient say, I have severe pain, does that doctor put down a six, a seven, an eight, a 10 into the report? And this is kind of what I'm talking about. We really need to understand the context of where the information's coming from and what's getting put down in the report. So, so the first thing in an inventory is obviously to understand what the body part is because if you understand impairment rating and understand the different components of history and physical exam that are attached to each body part rating, then you're gonna be listening and reading very differently. So for instance, if I'm doing a low back claim, I'm looking at that, I'm looking for some very specific things. I wanna hear leg pain, I wanna hear, um, uh, I wanna hear dermatomes, I wanna hear where this pain is, right or left side, I wanna know if pain and, and symptoms were present before the injury and after the injury or early in the injury they had leg symptoms and now they're gone because all of these things will change the rating method and the ultimate scoring of the case. So, so being able to understand the history is key. And then of course activities of li daily living, the most important part of any impairment rating because this is the part where the individual reports their true functional loss. And remember, activities of daily living is about what people can do at home. The challenge with workers' compensation is that we're not talking about people going home, we're talking about people going to work. So that, that translation of activities to daily living to what they can and can't do at work um, is a really essential one. And if you don't get it right, um, you're going to have an incorrect impairment report and you're going to probably have some incorrect functional capacity limitations and work status um, at the end of the report. So that's really important too. Next, the physical exam. Again, if you don't understand what's supposed to be in the physical exam, you're going to be unable to judge the quality and accuracy of the report. So in the ReadFast reports, what we've done is whether we're writing the report, doing the history, or some other individual is writing it, there is a continuous scoring that goes on once we start looking at that report and the report data. If we're sent a chart um, and we're conjointly building this impairment report with and for the physician, we're going to start looking at the report from top to bottom. We're gonna look for um, a timeline when the injured worker first was seen, the supplemental reports and then the day when they're having their impairment report because if you look at a chart um, it's it's very rare to find everything present at one time and so when you're taking an inventory you can actually look at the timeline of the chart because maybe reflexes were done two weeks ago and palpation was done today and thigh and calf measurements were done at DFR so basically we take all of those things we take the freshest most recent measurements and we bring them all into the report to get the report as complete as possible because I've said this before in impairment reports it's very rare to find a report that has 100% integrity. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen it out in the wild or come in from an adjuster, um, come in from a primary treating physician, an AME, QME, what have you. 
Um, it's just extremely rare because those uh, reports and the AMA guides demand a very high level of details um, and they often just don't get done. But we still have to deal with the data. We still have to come up with an impairment report. So being able to understand the physical exam um, and what goes into that is very key for having your literacy in the report. Next, talking about um, diagnostic tests. What diagnostic tests are really included or necessary? Again, if you don't know this, you're not going to have an understanding about how complete the report is and again, the accuracy and details. So a common one is lumbar spine x-rays. Um, you know, those are usually uh, two views. Sometimes they're five views, one from the front, one from the side, and then a couple of angled views. But for full compliance with the AMA guides, there should be flexion and extension views because you want to be able to see if there's any alteration motion of, in of integrity problems and you can only do that with flexion and extension views. Do we see them very often? No, probably not. Probably less than 5% of all the x-rays that uh, come through are flexion extension. So, so it's just a small example. Again, if you don't know what the criteria are for diagnostic tests, you're probably going to be missing it you're probably going to be misinterpreting the test a little bit and hence you will be looking at results and you won't have the full picture or at least an understanding of what the full picture should be. Um, potential legal and financial consequences and mishandling of impairment reports. Let's talk about that a little bit. Again, I think as time goes on and we get more sophisticated about being able to analyze impairment reports, this is going to become a big issue because suddenly insurance companies, payers, um, applicant attorneys, everyone is going to have the curtain pulled back and a much deeper understanding of the report and the accuracy once they understand what's present and what's missing. Um, right now, unfortunately, there's, there's an issue where a party can essentially argue more for an endpoint than based on where that endpoint came from. So for instance, they uh, might be thinking, well, you know, this case, I'm looking for an impairment rating somewhere between 20 and 26%. Um, you know, what do we need to do to get it there? And what I'm saying is once we get more sophisticated about reports, what's there, what's missing, the real discussion needs to, needs to come as to what type of integrity value and percentage do we need to settle on for the case as opposed to trying to figure out what the impairment rating should be despite the data. And, and that's going to become uh, very important. It's also going to save a lot of money once we start becoming more systematic and be, become more literate about reading impairment reports and having better tools to help us understand the gaps and where the report's strong and where it's weak. Now think about this too. Doctors need feedback and they need focus feedback. And if we have tools and we're able to be impairment literate on reports and histories, we can start making uh, report cards for doctors, outcomes for doctors, consistency for doctors, accuracy for doctors. And this has really been a long-standing problem um, uh, when trying to choose an AME or deciding if someone should be on a medical provider network panel. You know, really how good are the impairment reports? Are they only good if the consumer of the report is seeing a number in a range that they want? Well, that's what it's been up until this point. What it really should be is what's the real number without magnification or minimization of that impairment report based on the data that's in front of us on the chart. So, so that's going to become, I think, a bigger and bigger part of impairment literacy. 
And again, as I was saying earlier in the podcast, right now it's kind of on our shoulders to learn this knowledge. But as time goes on, a lot of this is going to be taken over by um, computer scanning, databases, and um, I think a lot more interrogation of the data is going to be automatic. And we're going to not only see our impairment value, but we're going to get a printout of all the uh, questions. Um, were they complete? Were they answered in appropriate detail, etc.? So I think that that's definitely up ahead for us in impairment rating from where I sit. Next, I wanted to talk about some of the common challenges and pitfalls that we fall into. And I had alluded to this a little bit earlier before, but I'm going to say it again. Right now, a lot of impairment rating is based on uh, subjective determinations and a preconceived or a prejudiced idea about what we think we should be seeing for a report. And I've seen this, I've been doing impairment ratings for over 25 years and I see this all the time. Um, a doctor turns in a knee impairment report, it's 5%, insurance company loves it, no problem. A doctor turns in a knee report and the impairment report is 30%, oh we have to get an AME, we have to get the attorneys involved, this makes absolutely no sense. And and. If you look at the report, it may actually be 35% or it may actually be 5%. But the problem is we fall into these traps of thinking that impairment reports have to have this particular value depending on the context of who's reading it. Um, an applicant attorney, a judge, a defense attorney, an insurance adjuster, a primary care doctor who's maybe um, primary treater, they're worried that they're not going to get enough referrals from the insurance company if they you know, turn in a high impairment report, whether it's indicated or not. And these are a lot of the politics um, that surround impairment ratings and settlements and have really kind of caused problems um, and, and distracted us from the real work at hand, which is systematizing the impairment reports, becoming digitally um, uh, literate on the reports and developing tools to help these people. Because I mean, think about this. Um, you have two insurance adjusters sitting side to side. One of them has been doing it for a year. Someone's been, the other one's been doing it for 30 years. Um, that's a pretty big wide variance of experience. Yet one's going to be making decisions and the other one's going to be making decisions. And uh, from a cost standpoint, having that much variance in outcomes and determinations um, really is not a great idea. So again, the whole idea of coming together with a standardized system that all this can be, uh, you know, a, a standard lens that we can look at all the impairment reports, that's really where the efficiency and savings is going to come from. And I think that we're going to um, probably get into a situation if we can get there with less litigation, faster claim settlements, and better outcomes for all the stakeholders. Um, finally, the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, rapidly changing economic landscapes and how impairment rating remains accurate and relevant over time. Remember, the whole point here is for us to get a timely settlement for the injured worker. And once we get a timely settlement, all the stakeholders benefit from it everyone from top to bottom. So the employer, for instance, can make a decision if their injured worker comes back or they have to hire out um, you know, for another, another person to take that job. The injured worker, they need to be assured that they've gotten a fair settlement and really need to know 
what their loss is. And once they know their losses, then they can make a determination on the accuracy of the settlement. They also need to make a determination on whether or not they're going to be going back to work or if they have to start looking for other employment and all kinds of things. And the sooner we do this, the better. In general, people only get in California about two years of temporary disability payments. And once that runs out, everyone then is panicking because no money is coming in. The case still isn't settled. They haven't gone back to work and no one has any answers no more than day one of when they were hurt. So, so the landscape is really important that we have a better approach and a better valuing system when we're doing this impairment reporting. Um, there are some other challenges as well that we'll talk about in other podcasts about the accuracy and the education of the physician, the people that are checking this, um, the rating services, uh, something called the disability evaluation unit. All of these people play you know, a major role in getting a settlement from proposal to completion. But um, without having literacy in impairment rating, none of this is possible. So just stepping back a couple of things again, today that we talked about taking impairment rating um, literacy of a report, understand the different sections, know what's supposed to be there, know how to listen, and also understand that different body parts require a different history, different physical exam, and diagnostic testing know that there are legal pitfalls and problems for all the stakeholders when we don't understand impairment reports, how they're built, what they're missing, what makes them accurate. And then obviously the changing landscaping, what tools do we have? How can we standardize impairment rating? How can we analyze these reports for consistency? And therefore, how can we analyze the doctors that are doing them, the, um, the service that the uh, carriers are getting, the timeliness of the report, and also understand where the cases are being mishandled as well. So I wanted to thank you for joining me. I hope this was helpful. I'm Dr. John Alchemy with RateFast. Hope you can join me next time. Thanks for listening. For more about impairment rating literacy, visit our blog at blog.rate-fast.com. And to learn more about RateFast Express Workers' Compensation Impairment Report Service, visit rate-fast.com. And if you have any questions or comments about our show, feel free to shoot us an email at caworkcompreport at rate-fast.com.